Hello, everyone, and welcome to Convos from the Couch by Life Stands Health. I'm Nikki Lanza, and I'm so excited to talk to Anna Krall today about the anxiety surrounding the Russian Ukraine war. So, welcome, Anna. Very great to see you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be part of the show. Yes, I think there's been a lot of anxiety surrounding this war. And so I think this will be a great conversation that we have to talk about this and talk about, you know, some of the ways to help mediate some of that anxiety and as well as for us to get to know a bit about you and, and your culture as well. So so let's jump in and tell us a little bit about your story growing up in Ukraine and what also brought you to the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in uh, Soviet Ukraine, uh, still while it was um, Soviet Union. Um, I started going to school when Ukraine became its sovereign independent country in 1991. Um, I have my bachelor's degree from a Ukrainian university in psychology. Um, And so when I came to the United States, I was already in my 20s, um, and I have degree in um, counseling psychology, um, master's degree, and then decided to go um, and get my degree um, in psychology and and, um, have my doctorate. Um, I'm a licensed psychologist here in Minnesota. I practice out of Eden Prairie office, um, and I do see a lot of children and adults who uh, experience trauma. My dissertation was actually on trauma. And here we are talking about trauma anxiety related to um, to trauma. So it, it is part of um, my work, my everyday work. And um, it is something that's that's a big part of culture um, in general. I think these days we have a lot more trauma, um, but also with um, with all of the things that have been going on in the world in the last few years um, and then the last few months here as well. And so tell me how you feel the war has affected youth and adults living in the U.S. trying to understand the conflict. Yeah, so this is a pretty big one. Um, APA, American Psychological Association, actually very recently in the last few weeks here came out with a poll um, that asked about the stress um, in the last few weeks. And majority of uh, adults, about 80%, um, have severe anxiety, severe stress related to the war. Um, They are worried that... um, Russia is going to retaliate and we're going to see cyber attacks here in the U.S. Um, They're worried about um, financial situation here in the U.S. So that's adults. And then we have children and adolescents. And um, not just from my experience of working with kids um, who are coming to see me, but also from my friends and their kids who are struggling to process this information and trying to figure out Um, what exactly is happening. Um, They're worried about Minnesota being bombed. Um, You know, with with all of the things that have been going on in the U.S. um, since the war in Ukraine started, um, we do have a pretty large diaspora of Ukrainians across the United States. Minnesota has about 17,000 Ukrainian Americans living here. So we've had rallies. Uh, We have um, support, uh, giving support to Ukraine. So a lot of people are talking about it. It's on the news every single day. So 
children might have um, difficulty understanding and processing. Developmentally, especially if they're younger, they don't understand how far Ukraine is from the United States, how far Russia is from the United States. And so those fears are, um, are spiked because they don't understand what exactly is going to happen here to me. So there's, there's a certain spike um, in children's um, fears, but also with, with adults. Adults a little bit different. Adults are a little bit more, um, they understand more. And so their fears are a little bit different than the, um, than the kids' fears. Can you tell us a few things that we can do just to help, uh, you know, if we're looking at it from adults' perspective, how adults can help with their anxiety regarding this, mm -hmm. and then also how adults can maybe help kids with their anxiety? Absolutely. So a really big piece is um, I was talking to one of my clients uh, the other day, and she has decided that in order for her to feel more connected or feel that she's doing something, she has been watching every single piece of news that has been about Ukraine and the war and atrocities. And one of the things that I uh, I believe very strongly is that we don't need to consume every single piece of information that's out there. Um, so limiting limiting the time that you're spending on the news, limiting the um, amount of news you're consuming, um, not necessarily um, watching the things that are going to have a really severe impact on one's psyche. Um, and so that could be one of the things that as people are thinking about what exactly can they do is finding a source and maybe spending a certain amount of time allowing yourself um, to stay um, um, to stay on top of the news, but but also you don't need to, your, your entire day should not be consumed. Exactly, by that. exactly. So that's if we're talking about adults, right? right. Um, and when we're talking about children, even things like, let's pull up a map quest, let's look at, right. um, at the Google Maps, let's talk about- how, Educating them. Yeah, right. yeah, giving a little bit more context to, um, where where is Russia? Where's Ukraine? Um, what can we do? So that's a that's a really big piece right now. I think with many people, Americans here, Ukrainian Americans here, who are so far away and feel like they are hopeless and helpless. Um, that's another piece that has been coming up quite often is this um, feeling that they they're not able to do anything in in the midst of this global crisis, and so thinking about. Um, radical acceptance, right? This is bringing some psychology into this. Um, human suffering has been, it has existed for centuries and will probably exist for centuries more. And so finding that ability to understand that life is beautiful no matter what, um, in the midst of the suffering and finding beauty in the chaos. Um, and, and, Resilience, human resilience is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we also know that even people who experience the same traumatic events, uh, not all of them are going to experience post-traumatic stress symptoms. And so finding ways to come to terms with what we can and cannot um, manage, um, accepting the things we can't change, but then finding the things that we can. Beautifully put, for sure. And I, I think that is the crux of radical acceptance, you know, being able to accept the things we can and what we can't as well. So very well put there. 
for sure, Anna. Can you tell us a little bit about what you feel will be the immediate and long-term trauma that might affect Ukrainians because of this war? Yes. So this is um, an interesting topic because epigenetics, and that's the study that helps us understand how the genes mutate and change based on the circumstances that are outside of our control. And so Epigenetics have been studying, um, it started out with uh, understanding the survivors of Holocaust, and they have now done uh, studies on Native Americans and African Americans. So it's primarily kind of done here in the United States. But what we know from epigenetics is that um, up to third and fourth generation um, people who've experienced Holocaust specifically, um, even when they were not specifically, they did not experience the events themselves, they were still experiencing post-traumatic symptoms wow. several generations later. Wow, several then, generations later even, wow. Right, wow. so we are talking about how, what is happening right now, this anxiety, this trauma, this is likely going to be having some significant effects for generations to come. You know, we're talking about 50, 60, 70 years from now. So in the long term, we're, we're trying to figure out how can we manage what is happening with people right now? How can we um, again, people who experience traumatic events don't necessarily have to experience post-traumatic post stress. Mm -hmm. So that's that aspect of resilience. And how can we, um, again, um, make sure that that is being developed right. and cultivated in the people? So we have several groups. I know I'm participating in several of them where psychologists, Ukrainian-American psychologists are supporting um, Ukrainian psychologists who are on the ground um, and making sure that people have that psychological first aid, um, having that support that they're able to process. That's immediate um, as well. That's we're talking kind of both the immediate and yeah, so in immediate and the long-term side, side effects um, in terms of the epigenetics genes here. But also when we're thinking about people who are um, most vulnerable, our children mm -hmm. and elderly, and people who are able to leave Ukraine at this time are women, children, and elderly. Men are left between the ages of 18 and 60 are not able to leave the country. So when we think about women with children, uh, young children, um, elderly are leaving the country, they are the most susceptible to abuse, uh, physical, sexual, financial, human trafficking. Oh, yes. We're also looking at um, what could possibly happen with people who are leaving their home country and are put in circumstances where they could be easily manipulated and taken advantage of. So again, thinking in terms of big picture, little yeah. picture, current, long-term, there's a lot of things that could be going on for, again, many generations. Years. Yes, yes. Can you tell us more about the difference between a refugee and those seeking asylum? Just to clarify for those who might not understand what that is. Yes, absolutely. So um, I am learning this in the midst of this whole crisis because my dad right now is staying with me and he's my only immediate family. And we're trying to figure out what exactly um, 
is his status while he's here. Um, so asylum seekers are people who are already here in the United States, and they're asking for um, the country that they're staying in, United States, Germany, any other countries in, in Europe. Um, they're already in the country and they're asking to be able to stay. Refugees are people who are outside of country, so outside of the United States, who are asking to come into the United States and seeking that refugee status. So they're still out trying to come in. Asylum are the ones who are in country asking to be able to stay. Uh, thank you for that clarification. And my understanding is at this time, the U.S. is not accepting refugees from Ukraine. Is that correct? Um, it is correct as of uh, March 17th. <laughs> um, so again, it seems like um, Europe is taking the most refugees and refugee crisis is um, pretty big right now. People are fleeing a lot of areas, even if they're not being bombed at this time or they're not being under attack at this immediate um, point in time. People are, again, there's this anxiety, there's this fear. We're seeing what is happening in other parts of the country. And so in order to prevent that from happening to my family, I'm gonna take my kids and, and try and escape. So we see a lot of people moving um, through Poland, um, Romania, um, going towards England and um, Germany. Um, and so what is happening in the United States, the United States, as of right now, as of March 4th, I believe, has given a um, special status for people who are already here on a visa, on a student visa. They are under protective status here if they've, if they've been in the country already. So you're not being able to, if you're not able to go back to your home country, um, the United States is able to, um, to keep you for a little bit of time, a little bit longer than you would typically stay. However, this time the refugee status um, is not, uh, seems like it's not being considered in the United States. And, and we hope that would be something that might change in the near future. Possibly, yeah. But I also know, you know, again, we've had a lot of things happen around the world these days. And um, Minnesota is one of the resettlement states um, because there's there's only, I believe, seven re resettlement states that are taking refugees in. And um, Afghanistan, um, right? So we've had a few, quite a few people coming through um, Minnesota because of that. So I think, again, it it's, constantly changing. It's constantly moving. Um, so hopefully um, the U.S. will allow um, for Ukrainian refugees to, for, for Ukrainians to come to the U.S. and be called refugees. Um, however, um, not in charge of the government. Right, can't like right, right. We'll, we'll cross our fingers until that hopefully will happen. But in the meantime, how can we support Ukraine during this crisis? Yeah. Um, wow. There's there's a lot of things that you can do, even just for yourself, right? Managing your own anxieties, managing your own um, your own worries, um, and checking in, checking in with your coworkers. Um, again, there's a lot. There's a pretty large diaspora here in the United States, in Canada, um, of Ukrainians. Check in. Um, ask how people are doing here. Um, Ukrainians are again very resilient people. We, 
I, we don't have time to talk about the history of all of the things that have happened in Ukraine since it became um, an established country, but there's been centuries of things. Um, pogroms, um, um, Holodomor, so, so um, Stalin era, Ukrainians had um, forced starvation. Um, and so we've had a lot of things over the centuries that we've been working um, and pushing back and saying, we can do this. And so Ukrainians will be able to get through this period as well. We're asking for donations if people feel um, like they can can support. And I think we're talking about maybe posting a list of yes, best we're uh, definitely, agencies. Yes, um, posting resources people, and links for sure yeah, for people to be able people to donate. If people feel like they if they're led, um, those are the things, those are the agencies that have already been vetted. Um, and we know that, um, that those, that, that money will go towards actual places that are there rather than, which again, in the midst of all of this crisis, people are taking advantage. Um, so finding really resources, legit resources legit, to yeah, donate to is going to be really important. Yeah. Um, Ukraine is a Christian nation. Um, and so a lot of the times those churches that are there on the ground, be it Catholic, evangelical, uh, Orthodox, they're taking refugees in. They're helping um, people to find food. They're helping people to get shelter. And so those are, again, some of the pieces that as you think about your own local community here in the United States, in Minnesota, we have several churches, um, again, Catholic, evangelical, and Orthodox that each uh, are doing different type of fundraisers, um, helping the community, collecting um, items and shipping them over um, humanitarian aid over to Ukraine, to the border in Lviv. So there are a lot of different ways that you can certainly support. If you're a praying and believing person, please pray. Um, one of the things that, again, as when we feel like we can't really do anything, that is one of the probably easiest ways um, to, to support somebody else is we do need those prayers at yes, this time. For sure. And, so and we, definitely we, my heart is with you and with Ukraine as well. I, I do agree with our thoughts and our prayers for sure. Thank you. Thank you. So that's that's a bit about the journey and a bit about the ways that people can support and help Ukraine. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for sharing your culture with us and helping us understand, as well as helping us navigate through our anxiety that might come from this war. And we hope this is something that won't last long, but I know that's yet to be determined, unfortunately, but our hearts are definitely with you. And I appreciate you joining me today to talk about this. Thank, Thank you. you. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. Welcome. Mm -hmm.